just want to think of verse 35 to verse 39. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. The Lord will bless this word. I want to think of that particular verse, verse 38. Lord saying, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. One of those things that as a young interested believer in studying the Bible, we were always reminded to open our eyes and read carefully and trace uh, the words that you find uh, would strike you. And in my early days of uh, appreciating the Gospel of Mark, there is a particular word in chapter 1 when the perfect servant would be introduced. And in verse 38, you would see that note there as well. For therefore came I forth the drawing near of the Lord Jesus Christ. The seven of such mentions in chapter 1. And just to allow us to be interested, you think of verse number 1, and John speaks of him, Therefore there cometh one mightier than I after me. It is so reassuring when we do the work of the Lord in any way, and uh, people might tell us how small we are. The devil will remind us that we have nothing, no backing, and no one to accompany us. But we can do together with John, there cometh one mightier than I. Then we can think of verse number 9. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And what a place that uh, River Jordan became when the Lord would seek to identify Himself with individuals who have known the, uh, 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 the, the deceptions of hypocrisy, the, the way in which sin has uh, engulfed so many in their generation and in Israel, and that people now, heeding the voice of John in the wilderness, they come. And so wonderful to know that the Lord Jesus would come to such a place where sin is confessed. Dear brethren and sisters, it's so wonderful that in the work of God, when we see people responding to the, uh, uh, um, the, wor- the Word of God and being conscious of failure and uh, 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 things that are inadequate and yet to know that at, this point, at that point the Lord Jesus can draw near and to see the voice of heaven and the Lord Jesus representing those that would look to Him. And so there is that reference there that is precious, verse 9. Verse number 14 as well. When we think of John being put in prison and Jesus came into Galilee. 
to think of the Lord always being prepared to come into the work when there is a difficulty, when there is a replacement needed, when there is a need where persecution comes. We think of the Lord Jesus putting His hand and Jesus came into Galilee. We can follow further and think of verse 24 and then appreciate that even the evil one, the demons, would say, Art thou come to destroy us? And when we will relate a little of uh, uh, the native uh, community and witchcraft and demonism being uh, uh, so uh, gripping to the hearts and minds of people and just to know this, that they, would, they have already confessed that here's one that is going to come and be totally, completely victorious. Verse 29, we think of uh, that word. They entered into the house of Simon and Andrew. And think of the word entered there. It's the same word, came. And we can appreciate that we have been uh, thinking of Simon and Andrew. And it touches my heart that the Lord Jesus is aware of things that are going on in His home. That when He goes out, there's still need in the home. And that the Lord loved to come to his, the servant's house. And so I was encouraged when I saw that. Look at verse 31 as well, that not only coming just to the home, but to attend to those that are in need. And he came, verse 31, and took her by the hand. And then we come to verse 38. Therefore came I forth. And that particular paragraph Reminds me that the remedy of all men, Peter says, Simon says, all men seek for thee. The remedy of all men is the Christ. And then they come, the resort of all men is the Christ. And the remedy for the next towns would be still the Christ. And this, this is a great encouragement indeed. I want to think of just these words that the Lord Jesus spoke to Simon and, and his disciples. Let us go. Obviously, the Lord knew that there would be cares of the daily life as He thought of bringing Simon along and the other disciples. And we can think of Him just passing through the home scene, the employment scene, the wilderness scene, the domestic scene. And so when He calls them to follow into the next town, He knows very well the cares of the daily life and all those who would come. And the disciples came to him and say, All men seek for thee with so many different variety of challenges and problems. The concerns of the disciple are known to the Lord. But then we have these words, Let us go, the communication of decision from him. And it is good that we, as we think of attending to this need, and there is this that is not done, so good to just be able to hear His voice and know His decision, speaking to us in conviction. And our brother Lindsay was reminding us, and our brother Phil too, very difficult to explain, but when it comes, you would know. And so here is a voice, a communication of decision from Him. Let us go. Then as we think of the expression further, let us go into the next towns. Here are challenges of the destination. What is left behind? Obviously, Simon and the disciples would have to leave the daily routines, the regular needs of the home, 
What about the resources? And then what is ahead? We don't know what to expect. Unknown conflicts. And obviously, unknown comforts that the Lord would have in store to encourage those that would come all the way with Him. There would also be another thought I would see here and appreciate as well. Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. The call to dependence on Him by faith. Because just as we see so much that He has done, why not just stay? And in a little while, we will highlight that there will be places opening up and you would want to stay and there would be a need there and there would be a need here. And I feel that the Lord is teaching them, uh, giving them a call to dependence on Him. For those who left behind, He would leave behind a little preview of what He would do in ascension. For we, will, we must discern what He has done. And then for the rest of the, this dispensation of grace, to discern Him by faith, the risen one. What we read in the gospel records are real. He has left behind a mark of His reality, able to touch lives, but He will not always be here. And this is what we always come across, if only the Lord Jesus would be here. But He has come, and He has done all that He has, uh, would want to do, and He has left a mark indelible in the lives of individuals. And so we discern by faith. And here is a lesson of the need to depend on Him now, to know Him by faith, the one who has now gone to the Father and will return very, very soon. A little preview of His going away, of life knowing Him in past dealing, but trusting Him in present circumstance. The Lord did not stay for the sight as well. He says, let us go. He doesn't want us to always ask Him for the present outward material needs, but to concentrate, He says, into the next town. For therefore came I forth. He's bringing us to the prospect of what is ahead. And it is good, dear brother and sister, that as we reach out and think about reaching out to people, many are concerned with present need and the latest things. But the Lord says, let us go. And it would be good to point people to the future that He is returning soon. And there will be a great kingdom. And there will be that great manifestation. Nothing like the world has ever seen. Peace, prosperity, and all that we will have, that righteous King upon the earth. And so, a call to dependence on Him and looking to Him and not stay in the present. And then we can think of here as well that I may preach there also a little reminder of the charge of declaring His voice to when we go, He wants to speak, that I may preach there also, that we might remind ourselves it is not how great would be our eloquence, but that His voice must be heard and He alone will be the one people will come to. And finally, number seven, for therefore came I forth, the course of His desire. He has come forth to manifest that God is love, and that man might dwell with him and God will wipe away all tears as we will know in the book of Revelation. The cause of his desire is that sinners might be saved by grace and would be with him. Therefore came I forth. And so I would like to think of these thoughts and bring you now to what would be on the map just to begin to think of um, 
the location of Malaysia, um, it would be if I can just use this side, this here, and we can think of Asia, Southeast Asia. This is South Korea, China, Thailand, Singapore, the equator, and the peninsula here, the final tip before Singapore is West Malaysia. And perhaps, again, we might learn some geography. Uh, the island of Borneo is uh, divided into three countries. Indonesia, which is Kalimantan, the, the, the state of Kalimantan at the bottom side here. Then there is also the small tiny bit here, the country of Brunei. And then the um, eastern states of Sabah, known in the past as North Borneo, the port of Jesselton, where uh, many missionaries such as uh, those that I, I can remember now would be J Mr. Jeffrey Bull, who used to be in China but came down during the uh, communist revolution and served the Lord there. There was a, an assembly established, but years down the road, they have lost, sadly, the features of a local assembly. That's North Borneo, Sabah. And this particular state here, Sarawak, is uh, where we are and where would, we would like to uh, describe uh, further of the Lord's goodness and dealings. Firstly, then, just to give you the population and uh, Kuala Lumpur would be the capital city uh, with about uh, almost 20 million, but Sarawak is just about 2.6 million. You can see the size. It is almost the same as Peninsula, as well as thinking of Vietnam, same size. Nepal, similar in size, as well as also South Korea. And uh, you can think of uh, 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 the state of Sarawak in similar terms. Um, very quickly, the national religion of um, Malaysia is Islam. And that means, uh, because it is a national religion, uh, conversion out of Islam is uh, totally uh, illegal and one might be uh, persecuted, penalized. What would happen would be uh, if you would uh, want to come out of Islam, the first thing that needs to be changed would be your identity card. And that will uh, require you to go to the registration department. And it, was, it is there that they will ask you, do you have uh, a statutory declaration or a certificate of baptism to state that you have uh, come out of Islam? And at the same time, they will say, um, the constitution, constitution of Malaysia requires that if you are a Malay, then you are born Muslim. And if you, uh, uh, if you come out of Islam, uh, then, uh, uh, then you lose your race, uh, the definition of your race. And that is just uh, unacceptable to all of us who can think uh, carefully and that they will have uh, lost all their privileges. On top of that, there will be also the fact that because this is a religious issue, therefore the Islamists have very subtly uh, 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 changed the law of the land by introducing amendments that although the constitution of Malaysia guarantees freedom of religion, but when it comes to Islam, it's a different story. Uh, individuals uh, must go to the Sharia court. So if it is an Islamic issue, so we have had many cases where the woman says, I'm no longer Islam, therefore I'm coming to the federal court. But the man will, the judge is usually a Muslim, and they will say, sorry, this is a Muslim issue, you go to the Sharia court. 
and when they arrive at the Sharia court, they will say, conversion out of Islam is not allowed. And again, so you're back to square one, or you're, you haven't even started uh, at, at square one at all. And, and so they will put you through uh, brainwashing sessions. And they will drum you with many, many uh, 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 indoctrination. And if it is not possible, there are certain uh, individuals who have gone through lockups for uh, uh, prolonged periods of time. And some would be released if you don't, if you are not a threat to the political situation and you don't preach the gospel openly, then they will let you alone, but they will monitor you. So that would be the situation very difficult in West Malaysia. However, there is a state that the, the federal government is not very pleased with and they have done all they could to intrude and also to intimidate and bring in Islamization. And that is the state of Sarawak. The history is very interesting. It, was, it used to be a kingdom belonging to a white man, believe it or not, uh, from England by the name of James Brooke because he was able to wisely bring about peace in that region and the Sultan of Brunei have no choice but to offer him the entire stretch of land there. And uh, it became a very peaceful place. And uh, James Brooke and his family invited the missionaries uh, from the UK. And eventually the Methodists from the US uh, came as well. And so we would have, uh, that's why you have there professing Christianity 46 or 40 over percent. But I put there great question marks because... Um, uh, basically, no one really knows today what it means to be saved. Most of them would be Roman Catholics. And uh, those of us who have uh, worked in uh, Roman Catholic regions would be aware that uh, someone has said that when it is uh, in uh, the minority, it will be a sheep, uh, a lamb. Uh, when it is in equal balance, it will be a fox. And then when it is in the majority, it is a wolf. And uh, that is what we would experience here uh, with uh, uh, Roman Catholic uh, uh, influence. I will relate a bit more later on. Uh, but then followed, following the Catholics would be the Church of England and then the American Methodists together with the UK ones uh, who primarily brought many, many Chinese from southern China to settle here to work the land. And uh, therefore, uh, you have a very interesting situation in the state of Sarawak Sabah, sadly, although there was good assembly work in the early days, have been taken over because the natives here have uh, been bought over by the federal government and therefore they have brought their Islam here. And as a result, we have a great uh, problem of immigration from the Philippines as well as Indonesia. And when you go there, it feels as if you are in a foreign land. And uh, many of these are given identity cards immediately and... Uh, uh, they, they used to be independent in religion, but now they're all, that, that's all gone. So Sarawak is the only state remaining in the country that has no official state religion. And many individuals, uh, just clear-thinking in individuals, would want to keep it circular because uh, of the benefit of the gospel and the evils uh, of Islam. So basically, um, the population there would be mainly uh, the sea Dayaks, uh, the Ibans uh, would be the largest in population, followed by the Malay community closer to the city of Kuching and coastal areas. The Sea Dayaks will be all in the interior heartland, and they would be the ones living in the longhouses. And many of the Sea Dayaks also live in 
Kalimantan, that part of Indonesia, and they are great uh, hunters. And they used to be uh, head hunters in uh, three generations ago. And if you go to one interior longhouse, you will still see some remnant of a, a previous time uh, where skulls uh, would be hung uh, as uh, smoke skulls hung uh, uh, just uh, under the ceiling. Uh, not that they would, they are cannibals. Basically, it's a show of uh, triumph. They're all trophies. And the Iban warrior would have, uh, uh, the, once he has killed the enemy, he would chop off, chop off the head, and then the hair would be hanging here. And the more uh, strands of hair hanging around his belt, the more uh, his, uh, the, the, as Brother Phil was saying, the stars on the, on the shoulder of a military man. So uh, that was all gone when the gospel in those early days came, and we are very thankful for that. But now and again, when we go in into the interior, which I still uh, try to go, uh, do go, um, would be the advice would be uh, if you drive on that lonely stretch and a chicken belonging to the local people come across, uh, they will just be stray ones, and you run down one, the advice is don't stop to say sorry. Just drive on because you just, just don't know what they will do. And uh, we had some experiences of that when we were uh, there as teachers, uh, school teachers in those early days. So basically, uh, the Malay community would not have a great say in, uh, um, in, in the interior heartland, but they try to uh, maintain poverty uh, upon the natives because uh, this state is very rich in timber and oil, and uh, through many very subtle and political, uh, many uh, very subtle and uh, shrewd political maneuvers, they control all the resources and keep uh, the very the native people uh, very poor. So, so although it is the richest state with many resources, it is the poorest in terms of uh, income uh, per individual. So, I think that would be all that I wanted. The Chinese community would be followed next, and then um, Islam, as you would see, 23%. And uh, the others would be animism. Next, pli- next si- slide, please. I focus now more on uh, Borneo, um, uh, the state of Sarawak. Firstly, just to explain what all these uh, markers are, I clipped this from uh, Google Map. I hope there's no copyright issue, but then I've uh, put all these things here. Now, firstly, this is the town of Kanawit in 1996 to 2002. Uh, we were here as uh, English school teachers uh, in secondary school. I was very burdened. I came to know the assembly in England. And then after coming, before coming back, the brethren uh, didn't know of the West Malaysian assemblies. But through the contact of Brother Jim Allen, uh, I, was able to introduce to the, I was introduced to the assembly there. And at that point of time, I had a great burden for, to reach out to Muslims, believe it or not. Because I felt that the Lord has saved me, a wretched soul, from all the ungodly background. And with the Chinese community already having the freedom and privilege to have the gospel, this great Islamic community still uh, has no opportunity because of the rule and the law. And with that in mind, eventually we came back. And Borneo came to my heart when, because I, my wife is from here, uh, we, were, uh, we got to know one another uh, in university uh, from the very first year. And because I need to uh, 
meet my wife's parents, so we paid a visit here initially. And uh, basically, the father would uh, put me through a series of tests. <laughs> Being a native, he would look down on us Chinese because they would say that we are just traders and we just know business. You don't know anything about hunting and about all these things. So he made me eat worms and uh, he asked me if I know how to dive in a river and uh, in, a, in a moving water and uh, he would do that. They would all do that uh, at 4 o'clock in the morning uh, just to uh, shoot uh, turtles that are sleeping under uh, in, inside the river and all sorts of things and as I spent, spent my time here I, I, I knew that there is a great need for the people here the entire stretch we, we drove from the town of Cebu uh, all the way to Kuching and I saw that there was a great need there was Christianity by name but there was no real understanding of truth and the Lord Jesus. There's no salvation in what we are seeing, no assembly. And therefore, I volunteered to come into the interior, and we were here uh, in 1996 to 2002, a very, very interior town, me and uh, Susan, my wife, and the Lord taught us many things. I read in one of the books that influenced me, the Irish evangelist now with the Lord, that when uh, one evangelist came immediately, he put down his bag in his room and he prayed that the Lord will give help. And I thought I might as well do that. And as we arrived in our rented room, very small, and we were not married yet, so I kneeled down and cockroaches were just running all over the room. And we prayed that the Lord will give help in this very lonely uh, part of the world. It was a culture shock because I come from Kuala Lumpur. I was a city boy and this is just jungle around me and uh, I was feeling, feeling very lonely. But the Lord opened the door after one month. A 15-year-old boy asked what my name meant and asked if I was, a, I was a Christian. And I asked him, he asked me what kind of a Christian. I asked him what kind of a Christian is there in the Bible. And eventually the entire thing went on we had a Sunday school work going on every Sunday. These young believers, 15 years old, would walk uh, about a kilometer in those early days. And I, I didn't have a car. I was cycling. I used a, 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 And the Lord spoke to us when they came and we saw them unfed and hungry. And the Lord says, you feed them. You give them food. And so it became a, a proper thing for us to have meetings. And then we bought food for them and sent them back and did the best that we could, teaching them how to comb their hair, wash their hands, wash their feet, and uh, tuck in their shirts when it is necessary, and uh, say thank you, things like that. Very simple, but that's how it is in uh, those areas. And uh, we were very thankful for those seven years. We learned so many things. Uh, we had uh, parents standing up during the... PTA meeting, Parent Teacher, Teacher Association meeting, demanding us to be transferred away because we were bring, bringing false doctrine into the land. And uh, we had the uh, grandfather barging into the, in the middle of the meeting and demanding that uh, his only grandchild must not be politically influenced uh, by a different religion. And, um, and, and there, was, there were occasions where uh, there would be natives standing around and uh, because of a car accident, and they said to me, the, the parangs and their shotguns, homemade shotguns, were all stashed in their van. Eat your last meal. Be fattened. We're going to cut off your head after this. And uh, later on, when they knew 
that my wife is also native and I'm a, a, a teacher in that local school. They changed their, they mellowed down, changed their uh, 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 composition, but still we had to, even though they were in the wrong, we had to give them a little token just to uh, uh, pacify them. So those years were full of um, experiences, but the believers grew and left school. But what, what was great and really encouraging was that the Word of God remained in their hearts. They knew that the Lord Jesus is real. You can imagine there is no assembly to go to, no example around. Everything is totally opposite and every lifestyle is very, very adverse. And I'll show you some pictures, uh, some pictures after this. And, and therefore, uh, just for them to know that the Lord Jesus, the unseen Savior, is real, uh, was very, very meaningful. And I can tell you many years later, uh, these two brethren who are here in Kapit, the interior town, am I right? Yes. And in Cebu, took up their notes that they had used many years ago in Sunday school and showed me, I haven't thrown these away. And they have been my help as I refer them uh, during lonely days and difficult days. The Lord is still my Savior and we are still looking for something that would uh, be conforming to the New Testament. So we are very thankful for that. And so I need to fast forward. In 2009, I just explained now, the next one, the circles are the major towns here. So this is Brunei here, very rich town, oil rich. And uh, the World Heritage Site, the Mulu Caves are here, uh, where these caves can store several jumbo jets uh, uh, at one time. And um, so Miri is here, the oil rich town. But we have Bintulu, Cebu, and Kuching. These are the circles. But they, the names that are in red are where now we have believers saved by grace. Nangamarit, uh, Bintulu, Cebu, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Tapit, Cebu, and Kuching, which we were very glad in 2015 we saw a little uh, uh, assembly here established. That's, that's where uh, these uh, red marks are. It was in 2009 that uh, I will, besides just speaking in chronological way, I think I have four things in my mind. I want to speak of the natives. I want to speak of the university students that we are reaching out to and have been very, very much uh, 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 stirred up by the things of God. I want to speak of Islam. And then finally, just a little bit on the new assembly established, which we have already uh, made mention of in other uh, local meetings. So firstly, the natives. So this place, Nangamarit, and this place, Kapit, are both considered interior. This is the last major town, and it is only accessible uh, by river, the longest uh, river in Malaysia, the Rajang River, coming through here and going all the way up. Um, I had a little read and compared. Uh, it's about 350 miles this river, and I understand it is similar to the Delaware River. So that's just a comparison. And, um, but it is, this river is very wide. It's much wider. I think it's about uh, over 100 meters in terms of width. You can, it's like looking over would be like an island. It's, it's very far apart. And uh, the river is all yellow in color uh, due to logging, intense logging activities. A lot of the virgin forest has uh, disappeared as a result of uh, illegal and corrupt logging, uh, which you can read uh, with interest uh, in your time. 
anyway, here in Kapit is the town that we came to in 2009, and uh, here in Nanga And then I will move on to talk about Cebu, and then Kuching. So uh, I, we can move the slide now. This is Kapit. And so, in order to reach Kapit, you, this is a recent photo in 2014, and uh, it's still uh, like that. So, if you come, you would go on these long boats. Um, the engine is right back here, a few thousand cc's, and I understand I had a look myself one day, a Mercedes engine. Uh, but uh, it's very rudimentary. Uh, the, the business of uh, transporting people are basically done by the Chinese uh, community who are there, and uh, it's very funny. In my last visit, I showed how they took out plain seats and uh, installed them into uh, the seats here. And uh, one of these boats would uh, be, uh, be able to accommodate for, uh, 70 people, 80 people. And uh, then if you are on this boat, then it would be three hours from that town of um, Cebu over to here, and you come up these stairs. All right, that's enough of the scene. Let's, next slide. This would be the two believers that we want to speak about. Uh, this is Carolyn, and this is Jimmy. <laughs> Recently, I met Brother uh, Jack Hay at the conference uh, in, in, in West Malaysia, and it was Brother Jimmy's first time. And he was so happy to see a conference such as this uh, in West Malaysia, and I introduced him to Brother Jack Hay. And Brother Jack Hay, when he heard of his name, Jimmy, everyone in Scotland is called Jimmy. <laughs> So he's very happy that uh, he can be identified with everyone in Scotland. <laughs> so, so Jimmy is a real interesting story. Um, it began when Carolyn heard the gospel during our time, our entry into uh, Kapit. Uh, she was a, 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 on the verge of finishing her high school. And uh, it was a challenge to bring the gospel to these natives First of all, to the students, you would, uh, we, we had school meetings, and these young people would come after school. They would be separated from their families uh, right from the time when they are seven years old, live in boarding school away from their home, and you can imagine how lack in uh, family relationship they would be. And, uh, and yet, even though it is so interior, they're still exposed to a measure of uh, Western influence, in, especially entertainment. And so you would have these very, very totally ignorant, uh, saying that not in a negative way, young people, and then on the T-shirt would be Metallica, Nirvana, and then football shirts, Arsenal, and these kind of things. So to bring the gospel to them, telling them, presenting the Lord Jesus is the best way. Uh, so in my first meeting there, telling them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that... Uh, drinketh on me, shall uh, cometh, believeth on me, shall never thirst. And uh, telling them of the inability of entertainment, of what you see in the Western world that entertains so many people, and yet Christians from there can testify. The real joy is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, um, Carolyn trusted the Lord, and she says, so this is what the Lord Jesus is all about. And she received Him as her Savior, and she went back and told Jimmy. Jimmy was a Roman Catholic at that time, very interested to be uh, going into becoming an altar boy, going for a catechism. And when Carol shared with her Isaiah 53, he read Isaiah 53 on his own in Indonesian. Here it's all Malay. 
uh, we, when we enter here, it's all using the Malay and the Iban language. He read the Indonesian Bible and he said, Isaiah 53 has told me so much about the Lord Jesus than ever the Catholic Church did after all my years of interest. And Jimmy believed on the Lord Jesus. And we are very, very thankful that these two are great soul winners. And they went back to Nanga Marit, and that was the other town. Uh, this one is another three hours, inaccessible um, by any vehicle but river. And uh, the longhouses are all still on stilts. Uh, there, there's no electricity there and no clean running water. They all drink from uh, rainwater. And so they witness to their people. And as a result, there is a company, uh, one or two individuals who have trusted the Lord, primarily women folk. And then the men were interested. Next slide, please. <clears throat> so it was the first meeting. And um, I hesitated to go into the interior because if I say something, I know I should trust the Lord more. If I say something that uh, would offend them or I do not know, the evil one would work, then there would be no, um, no way in which there would be any security, no police in the longhouse. And then these dear folk felt that they, they felt so humbled by my interest to visit them. And they said, please don't come to where we are because it is not very clean and it's, a lot of things are unattended. Why don't we meet halfway? And so this is the town of Kapit, where there is, there is hotel facilities. This is a two-star hotel. And so I would uh, book into a hotel, one room, and another room we would have it for meetings. And so all these folks have come from the longhouses. Uh, that's Jimmy there. And uh, that's my wife, Susan. That's myself. And these are all uh, dear folk who, who are illiterate. Uh, these are their children. Uh, their, their, their entire family. This is uh, the, I think the grandfather. He, he's very interesting. And then the father. And then the head of the longhouse. So the head of the longhouse says, can you do this for me? Come to the interior once a year. I said, Lord willing, I will. Uh, and uh, I have not yet, uh, but I pray that we will eventually uh, go there and visit them. So after I go back, uh, to Malaysia, this is where we're going to go and we're going to visit them in this hotel again. Mr. Karani, this is the father of Carol, come, came for the meeting and he says, I'm, don't tell me about religion, it's so confusing, you have so many denominations, I'm worried about my livelihood, I'm worried about what I'm going to feed the next day, I'm worried about how I'm going to uh, fend for my children, they're all going to uni uh, study and all that and so we, we, we realize that we need to bring the gospel to their level in the sense that, do you know, I said to Mr. Karani, it is the heart transform that allows you to begin to see light ahead in the future. When you look around you, it may be dissatisfaction with the government. You are not happy with oppression and injustice. So many things. But when you know the Word of God, the Word of God doesn't just tell you to see through these injustices, but it will sift. It will allow you to uh, differentiate between error and truth. And once you know this, Mr. Karani, the truth will guide you and it will give you a happy day. You just trust the Lord because the Bible has told me of individuals that have, have their lives and their future all given bright hope when they believe on the Lord Jesus. So we want to pray for Mr. Karani because he has a house in Kapit 
And when his wife came to be a believer, he now becomes very, very eager. He wants to be saved, and we look forward to meeting him in October, uh, Lord willing, at the end. The grandfather, very interesting, another one. He came to me and he says, son, he calls me like that, and he says, how do you explain the fact that we have for generations been taught to listen to the birds? And that these birds, now the story, can I just digress a little while? These Dayak communities have a very interesting story. They go back all the way for many generations, and they say this, that the Iban race came down from a people that originally was the union of heavenly beings visiting the earth and having relationships with women of the world. And then this people became uh, the, the, the result. I was thinking, this is Genesis chapter 6, and, and it is just you know, unheard of. And you think of, the, 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 they believe in uh, birds, that the gods would become birds, and vice versa. And you think of the Nordic myth and Greek mythology, and think of people like Odin and all that, and they would have birds, and they could... So again, I would tell them... Uh, Aki, I call him Granddad, Aki. Uh, the Bible has told us that when God created the birds, you need to differentiate between what is error and what has been passed down and injected as a result of demon uh, 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 doctrine. But the Bible does tell us that birds are very interesting. So I told him that, he said, look, the birds could tell us if uh, uh, something is coming. The birds could tell us, and therefore, before we build a longhouse, we will listen to a particular bird. So I said to him, Uncle or Aki, look, God has designed birds to identify danger way before man would realize. And therefore, your forefathers would observe these birds for many generations and know. And that is true. But there is also the fact that if the birds become man, the Bible tells us that that is error and that is deception. And I'm so glad that he... After all that he heard, he says to all his children, listen, this is very true. We must differentiate between error and we must know what our forefathers has passed down. So that would be just a little picture of uh, the native outreach. I must move on. Uh, next slide, please. <clears throat> As um, the scene between the hotel and this one, this is a longhouse scene, a funeral and uh, crates of beer is here. They are here. Crates of beer. So whether it be sorrow, bereavement, whatever, the crates of beer would be here. So to enter into the longhouse, this one would be taken in 2014. Uh, it's very, very uh, challenging to uh, reach out uh, to the community here. Before we move on, just that uh, there are two women who have trusted the Lord Jesus uh, in that previous slide. And one is illiterate. But ever since believing on the Lord Jesus, she's a mother of two. She asked her son, who is in high school, to teach her to read Malay. And uh, ever since she's able to read the Gospels, she has been a very happy woman. She's married to an unsaved man. The husband's father is a witch doctor. And on the night she got saved, uh, she could hear demonic activity around her. But her heart knew that the Lord Jesus is triumphant. And then when she has proven the greatness of the Lord Jesus, she would tell the witch doctor, look, after all the dancing, uh, uh, what have your gods done for you? 
And one particular night, a man, a witch doctor, was just walking around and calling until three in the morning and you would have people drunken in the longhouse in this kind of picture. And, uh, and the man was still going and this dear woman would say, keep going. I think the Bible tells me your God will not answer. And so the witch doctor was greatly offended. And, uh, and then he says, I'm hearing a voice, a noise of a very, very strange kind of bird. Listen. And so the woman was interested. And then eventually the noise was traced out. It was a man lying there sleeping and whistling and snoring away. And so that is the, your God. And so it was a great, great joy to see this woman confident in a very, very adverse and ungodly and a, a, a demonic setting. And so we pray for her because we try to reach out to them by sending CDs whenever our young people go back and visit. And it's humbling to listen that she would listen to the same gospel message in Malay every Sunday. She says, I, I love to hear about the Lord Jesus. And so that is how she has sustained herself. Uh, next slide, please. <clears throat> this is the city of uh, the town of Cebu. This is where we uh, went to next. Uh, next slide, please. And uh, in the town of Cebu, there is an outskirt. Here again, the, 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 the medium of communication is Malay and Iban. And uh, we would, uh, these would be relatives. So we would sit around and uh, we would uh, bring uh, the gospel. So there are various uh, believers and unbelievers alike. So we have to preach the gospel as well as minister uh, to believers uh, at the same time. And uh, so this would be one scene. Next slide, please. And uh, this would be another house where we are able to uh, uh, reach out to them. Small number, but again, the uh, measure of happiness is not in the number, but in the heart of those that would want the Savior and the Word of God. Next slide, please. Um, I would like to go on to touch, about, uh, touch on uh, the university. Uh, this is the work in Kuching in 2013, I, I believe. And uh, initially, we started with just a few individuals. And um, what I thought of doing was that these people, having come to university, that they would obviously have listened to the theory of evolution and all these things. And not, not just necessarily university, the television, as well as what they would be exposed with today. And so I thought that I would speak to them from the first 12 chapters of Genesis. That was one of my first exercises. And beginning with the, not just the existence of God, most of the people in Borneo would know that God does exist, evil as, even as evil spirits exist. Therefore, the antithesis, the eternal almighty God, He is there. And so, it's to bring Him and make Him relevant. That the God of creation is the God who designed all. And the language that we speak, it is intelligible because it has come forth from the almighty wisdom of God who gave Adam uh, uh, his ability to speak. And so, when we come to Genesis 2, uh, bringing to before them the proper view and understanding of what humanity, the 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 mankind is that he is not just uh, flesh and blood, but that he is more than that. He has a soul. And then we went to Genesis three about sin and so on. 
until we also come to speak about politics, economics, and just to bring them to see that the Bible, even from those early days, the 12 chapters at the very foundation, would lay out all principles that would allow a university student to understand and then confront the things that they would be uh, coming across throughout their university days. And we are really very encouraged to know that these young people know that that biblical worldview session helped us tremendously in taking our stand in the university. Just two of them, one of them, Jacqueline, she comes from a very broken home and she said one day uh, when she came, uh, why must I suffer for doing right? And she rejoiced to know that when she knew there was another one who suffered for doing right. And so she trusted the Lord Jesus. Another one, a young man who came and after the meeting said, will God forgive a murderer? And I said, yes, definitely. And showed him the scripture and the example of the thief on the cross. And he says, tonight I've trusted the Lord Jesus because for a long time, uh, my little episode of almost taking the life of my cousin through a bout of anger and drunkenness, and I was there was a sword flung out and blood all over the place. He couldn't forget the scene, and priest after priest, church after church, didn't give him the peace, but that night he found peace uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we had that small company going, and eventually the assembly, uh, we, we began meetings, and uh, we were very encouraged that in 2015, May, 16 believers, encouraged by believers from West Malaysia, joined us, and we had uh, we had the first Lord's Day morning in the breaking of bread. I must touch on Islam. This dear woman here, Eve, is uh, is Muslim, and um, I would love to go some more, but uh, it's very difficult. I remember uh, having to. Uh, she would walk to my house at 8 o'clock wearing all black because can never be seen. And we would have personal Bible study. At 12 o'clock at night, I would send her back with my wife and uh, we would switch off our lights as we drove nearer to the house and stop a very long distance from her home under very, very dark areas and just stayed and waited in the car as she walks quietly after midnight alone to the house until we lost sight of her and saw her enter uh, her house. And for many years, she is now a nurse. She is all alone. And when her fellow nurses found out that she is not the Muslim that they would think a normal Muslim would be, uh, they gave her a lot of uh, difficulty. And uh, every time she wanted to transfer away, uh, they would just reject her paper. So she has been wanting to move out from Bintulu to come here. But do remember Eve. Her real name is um, Siti Fatima. Uh, let's next slide, please. Uh, this would be Amir. This is another Muslim boy, and uh, again, a wonderful story of conversion. Um, uh, he was a delinquent because he just was disillusioned by Islam. He's a Malay, and one day uh, he was referred to me, and we arranged for a secret meeting outside. Uh, I had to. His college were sponsored him because he's Muslim, and therefore. Uh, he had to go out of his college. We met in a Chinese restaurant where pork is served and there would be no Muslim waiters. So we had that session for two hours and then we exchanged text messages. Uh, it was a real joy, basically uh, to point out to them. There was one day I was confronted by some Muslims. They asked me this question, can God have a son? 
I usually respond back, can God be a man? You claim that, you're, uh, that, that, that God is almighty. Can God be a man? If you can answer, if God can be a man, I will tell you what God, beca- uh, God the Son, what it means. The other issue would be, how can God forgive sins? This usually would stump them and they would not have an answer. The other one would be, um, uh, prove to me or show me from the Bible or from your Quran that Muhammad is the prophet of God for all prophets have been Jewish. How come we get an Arab one? So there must be some confirmation from the Bible if God is about to change His plan. So that would be one very good way to uh, uh, reach out. And then the other one uh, 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 would be uh, what happened to the covenants. Usually, this would be not the usual approach. They would be just surprised. What are you talking about? Well, God had covenants that showed to us that He will not change His ways with Israel and with the Jewish nation and that the Lord Jesus is coming again. And they would be very interested to find out and you can lead them further there. So, Emir heard all these things and one day texted me, um, how can I know that I'm saved? He has been reading his Bible voraciously and finally told me, this is what I prayed as he sent me his text message, trusting the Lord Jesus as his Savior. And we were so happy when he became a believer and this would be his baptism occasion. And so being 17 years old, he came and uh, we, I said to him, you must ask your dad. And so he found a moment where he went home and spoke to his mother and father. And he says, I'm a Christian now. It was quiet. Uh, I want to be baptized. And it was quiet. Just very quiet. And he walked away. He came back to me and uh, so I said, what did your dad say? He said, my dad said yes. He said, well, what do you mean? Well, he was silent, but it means that uh, not needing to say yes allows him to be free from any, any uh, implication by law. And at the same time, it is a yes, a loud yes to him. And we saw Amir baptized just in July, uh, just a few months ago. Uh, next slide, please. And uh, this, this would be the assembly uh, on 2015 May. Next slide, please. And eventually, we thought of the assembly growing in, in Kuching. Uh, 2011 were the first efforts. 2012 were the first fruits. 2013 were faith-tested. 2014, we needed to ground them in the foundation of the Word of God. 2015, we saw the formation. 2016, the believers learning to, to live what it means to be in fellowship. Different people, concerns of life like-mindedness, likeness to Christ. And so this would be one occasion where we are looking for a site. And next slide, please. I'm almost done now. And this would be finally a location where we are interested to procure uh, this floor. And again, the Lord did really, really help us. The laws of Malaysia makes it very difficult to become a Christian testimony. We can't own land. Uh, There must be all these paperwork and corruption and Islamization And so we are thankful that through these all, the Lord has finally brought us through. We hope to procure this top floor uh, where we uh, would pray that we might have a public place of testimony. And finally, the last slide. These are just the prayer needs, the locations and the various issues. Kapit and Nana Marit. Pray for life and prospect. As a Christian, it is basically a new thing for them. This is a new generation. Uh, 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 no, no assembly before 
long term, we need a long term laborer. Uh, it's 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 exhausting, I must say, to uh, to to see all these uh, areas with such great need. And we look to the Lord for long term laborers. Uh, we need liberty of exercise. Think of the town of Cebu. Liberty of exercise. Believers fear because you know they, they, they we we have no leader and we we have we are just looking to ourselves. So liberty of exercise. Bintulu, love of Christ through trials. A few believers there that have great trials, a sister, schizophrenic, and a mother uh, with all the problems, and he can't come away. So uh, the love of Christ must be known through trials. And then in Kuching, uh, for a locality, for public testimony. With all these things as I close, we trust that it will be something that will cause us to pray. And will know that the Lord is still working. And think of the one who says, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. May the Lord bless His word and His work. And Brother Phil.